Welcome to the Biohacker's Guide for Women Only. You are listening to The Art of Becoming Wonder Woman. I am Jessica Fernandez-Cruz. And I am Yen B. Trung. Life extension, longevity, biotech, digital health technology, and prevention are all the fields of health that we've been working in for over 15 years. We've worked alongside world-renowned physicians, Nobel laureates, experts, and top biohackers. We were at the forefront of a lot of the science that is being used today for biohacking. Our mission is to bring to you all this knowledge and information and create a biohacking community for women. Join us today on our journey into biohacking our bodies. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome, Wonder Women. Here we are again today with a fantastic conversation that I think we need to sit with and understand what we're talking about because we're doing all these podcasts about longevity and we keep talking about longevity. But, you know, this is such a word that is like a hype. People use it so much in so many things. But what is it really and why is it interesting for us to talk about longevity? Is longevity a lifestyle? Is longevity a mindset? Is longevity just pure science that we need to learn? What is longevity? Well, I think it's time that we clarify these questions. Yemvi, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Jessica? I'm doing great with my longevity mindset right there. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think we should talk about today to start our longevity conversation? What's the most important thing to start with for you? Yeah, yeah, I think just clarifying the difference between the science of longevity, what you and I have been in for a very long time, right, in working in laboratories and diagnostics, and what it really is when you look around the world in these what we call blue zone areas. A lot of people know about it, and a lot of people don't know what blue zone areas, and I think clarifying what that is really will give our listeners a, a perspective and a view of how people actually live around the world when it comes to quote unquote longevity and the people that live in these areas are living past a hundred. And we've heard about these areas. A lot of people may not know what they're called or what areas they are, but I think touching on that, giving our audience a broader view of the term longevity so that they they're aware that everything that you see on TV and on your Instagram and on your Facebook, it could be more commercialized than what you really need to live a very fulfilled and long life. And we're going to touch on some of these areas so that you can, at the end, walk away with understanding what does it really take. It doesn't take a lot, honestly, once you start digging into it to have a very, uh, to live a centurion lifestyle, let's just say, which is to pass 100. So um, very exciting to to have this discussion today because I think a lot of that the audience will get a lot out of it. That's awesome. I do love that project. I mean, ever since I heard of it, and that was probably like six, seven, eight years ago. I don't I don't even want to know because it makes you feel old when I think of the number. <laughs> it's been of years a while. Already. It's been a while. But I remember when that came out. That was a very exciting project, and the Blue Zone project is actually the, the guy that started the whole project was a journalist and he did his research going to these areas in the world where the people lived longest. And what he wanted to see was how do these people live? Is there any trait that is common to all these places so that we can learn from them and maybe incorporate these practices into our lives? 
And he called it the blue zone because he started circling those areas in the map in blue. So it has nothing to do with anything else but the fact that he was circling it in a map in blue. Because <laughs> you would think, oh, it's the, are those places where there's an ocean or are those places that have, you know, a sense of sky or, or blue air or anything. But in this case, it's really just because he was circling it on the map. Because you'll find that these places are both near the ocean and also in the mountains. So that is interesting that that, that factor, which in the beginning of his research, he thought that that was going to be like really determining was the factor of the fresh air, but it didn't matter if it was high or low or below sea level really. And I, I think also because we, we touch on biohacking so much that we want to clarify how biohacking falls into longevity as well, right? Because there's a lot of science and almost guinea pig-ish work that we do on ourselves and and how the clinical factors, like like the testing they do on mice and rats in labs, how does that play a role compared to these blue zone areas, right? We, we get all these pills and these supplements and all these tropics and all these things to quote unquote optimize. But what are we optimizing if the evidence is already there that's that's in the blue zone, right? And so if we just replicate how these people live in this in these areas, do we really need all of the stuff that's out there right now? And so that's it's worth thinking about, right? Real, really worth thinking about. And there was something I, I don't remember it was Dan Butner himself that I saw this on a a post. It said, no one in the blue zone has ever used testosterone therapy. <laughs> right so so let's let's really dig into this today because it's very fascinating and so when i think about biohacking and longevity i really dig deep into these blue zone areas and say well you know all these supplements i'm i'm taking what am i using it for and and if i didn't use it could i still live to 100 or past 100 right and so yeah i would say one of the things that is interesting and and for me really sort of response to that question is the fact that it's the whole that makes it the reason why they live longer. So it's not that just that one thing, that supplement that you're going to take or that exercise that you do that day. It is the, it's a complete lifestyle that altogether allows that person to live longer. And I guess my, what I would say is the question is what part of my life is not living up to that. And therefore, how do I give myself that in another way? And therefore, you have all these great things that science has given us that allows us to replicate that in another way. So using supplements or, you know, changes in diet and so on that don't have to strictly commit to the diet that they do. But it's the whole picture of what am I lacking in my daily life that is not similar to that? And what do I need to pay attention to, right? I would say. So let's let's name a couple of these areas. It's uh, I think it's five areas. I wrote them down here. So uh, Loma Linda in California, Costa Rica, which I'll probably move to one day, Sardinia, <laughs> Icaria, Greece, and Okinawa, Japan, which is probably the one that people hear the most about is the Okinawans. I think those are the the five that stands out right now. Maybe we'll discover some as time passes. But what I do want to point out is that, you know, on the um, when we look at human lifespan itself, 
in the early 1900s, we were, if you look at a map of the human lifespan of the population size, for example, or the age that we would die in the early 1900s, we were dying because of infectious disease. We didn't have the medicine that was needed when we were caught, caught with these diseases, right? The antibiotics, penicillins, and the things that, that the vaccines, right, to, to stop infectious disease. So we were dying in our 30s and 40s. And then after that, once we, we started using vaccines and antibiotics, the infectious, we stopped dying from infectious disease at a rapid rate. But now what we're dying from is lifestyle diseases like diabetes, from diabetes and heart disease. And if we look at the trends right now with everything that's happening in science, according to a lot of researchers and scientists, is that our lifespan will extend based on on the science that's available to us over the next 50 to 100 years, we'll be able to live from 100 to 130 as a human uh, lifespan itself. So it'll be interesting to see when, when that curve matches with the blue zone curve lifespan, right? Is there, will science ever take us past 100 and live past how the people in the blue zone live just based on science? Right now, but from the very basic, these these countries that we're looking at, there were nine nine things, and I'll name those nine things that that Dan Buettner really touched on when he evaluated what it took to live to a hundred or past a hundred, and it was the fact that they move naturally every day; they're always moving. There's a, a word called ikigai in Japan, which is when you wake up with a purpose every day. You have a purpose in your day. Uh, releasing stress. When you feel stress, how do you step down from stress and then moderate? The next is they never ate to the point where they were full, which is very interesting. It's They call it the 80% rule. So when they ate to a certain 80%, they would stop eating. So I, I know for myself, I love to eat. So when I eat, I'll just keep on eating. And then to a point where I say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I eat that much. And so that they they know when to stop eating before they go overboard. A plant-based diet, meat is a very small component of their meal. A lot of beans, they drink at five in the afternoon was a time when they would you know sit with their friends and they, they would have wine and not just one or two. And that there's science and biohacking that past the one or two glass of wine, that's when the curve starts going down, the benefits of wine or alcohol, any type of alcohol actually goes down. But in these communities, in these areas, actually, they never stopped. They just kind of enjoyed having one, two, three, whatever it was. And then having a sense of community with the, their surrounding, with the village or the people that's in their community. And then family was always number one on their list as well. That was the first thing that um, having loved ones, friends, and family, and then having the right tribe, which is your social gathering, being in with the right types of friends, the people that surround you, the people that you enjoy. And so that's what Dan Buettner pointed out as the main components of a, a long, happy life of these centurions. And so it's it's very, it, if you really listen to those nine, it's very simple, right? But why are we having a hard time as you know, outside of these areas, living in this manner, living, moving naturally every day, eating a plant-based diet, right? Less meat, having a purpose every morning. You know, some of these pieces seem simple, but then it's very difficult for many people as well. Yeah. I mean, you got it all right there. I think that, I mean, there's a reason why he has a project as well that, that is bringing the blue zones into your city. 
So it's basically studying what the what the city is doing compared to the blue zone and trying to help that city bring those habits in. And I think it's interesting to consider not only that we understand this because you know you name it and it's like oh yeah that's obvious, but I would say stop for a second before we go into this whole list and just pick one thing and let's go into the daily moving for example. This one's very easy to see. Their work is every day outside. They work in the fields. They're you know they they move. They have to walk and they normally live also in areas that have like a slope. So they're going to do that hiking exercise as well sometimes. So there's a lot of movement in their daily lives that is constantly happening. So one of the things that I feel like the question to ask yourself is how much of that do I actually bring to my daily life? And how much of that do I actually bring to the choices I make? So I think of things like we look for a job and you say, okay, I need a job because I want to expand my career and I want to make money. That's great. But what is the longevity aspect in your job? You know, do you do you have an opportunity to like, is it a place where you can go up and down the stairs to talk to your boss? Or are you just sitting there and everything is done by phone? Are you able to even walk and see a client or is everything done by car? Is there an opportunity to stop and have your lunch? Or do you have to quickly eat something and keep going? Do you rest well? Is it a very stressful environment? All of these are questions that we just never ask ourselves when we go and find a job. But this, for me, is when you incorporate this longevity aspect to your life. It's like, oh, this is not just a job for my money and my career. This is money for my longevity as well. Right. And that's a really great point, Yesica, because you spend so much time in your career, in your job, that as part of it, what people miss out on when it comes to their career and their job is the purpose, right? You say, I'm going to find work and I want a job because and make a lot of money so I can buy this home and I can buy these things, right? Or, or, or whatever the case may be. But purpose ends up being such a big piece of it. And I think if, even if we touch on, like you, you mentioned walking, right? Moving naturally as part of the, the job, but then the purpose piece of it becomes almost a driving force for a purpose uh, for for a person to live and have a long uh, long lifespan as well individually. There's a lot of research. If anybody's ever had the chance to read the book Ikigai, go ahead and pick it up. It's very quick reading, but it's a a very very good book that summarizes what purpose is when it comes to the foundation of your career and your work. They use an example of this. Actually, let me, me, me touch on a research that they that on, on men's lifespan that three years after a, an individual or a male retires, they die because they lose the purpose, right? And so that's, that is a research that, that's out there. And, and once you find that purpose, it actually drives you every day because you wake up in the morning excited to do something. So picking a job and a career, it's not just about the money, but you're, you're spending so much time there. Does it fit the longevity aspect and the fact that the purpose is part of that longevity mindset, the longevity summary is, you know, as part of work, you spend nine to 12 hours a day at work. That's your longevity right there. If we look at these areas in the blue zone, when they work, they're out on the farm, they're doing things that's engaging with their community. They're, they may be, you know, an agricultural base or maybe, you know, working in a store, but it's something that they chose for themselves or part of their family. 
it's part of the community, the work that's part of the community and contributing. So there is a bigger purpose, even though it may be a small quote unquote job for them. And this makes a huge point because I do feel that our society, and I would even dare to say your society more than mine, the American versus the Spanish, is at least leaning towards the independent lifestyle, right? Like I go for myself and it's not such a community oriented lifestyle. And here in Spain, we're still very family oriented. Like every Sunday, there's a family reunion and it's the whole family together and it's 20 kids and all of them together. But it's really building a support system. I don't think it matters so much if it's your family or not, but you need to build a support system and also be very aware of the surroundings of, and I'm referring to people, the people you choose to surround yourself by from the longevity aspect yet again, because in this case, we're looking at, you know, creating a community again, when I choose a job, is there a community in that job for me as well? Is there a support system? Are those people, the people I want to work with every day? Do I even ask myself that? Or do I just deal with whatever the job brings? I would say question those things. Because it has to do with the ikigai. I mean, you can have a great purpose, but if the community at that work environment is a disaster, that purpose cannot fulfill itself either, right? So there's all these little components. That's why I was saying when you named them, they sound so simple. But now try to bring them in your real life and you'll see it's not that easy. <laughs> I'd say even when we choose a home, how many times do we actually question where that home is located? What's the environment like in that in that place? Can I walk would be one question. Can I walk to the store or do I have to always take a car wherever I go? Or can I bike? Is it safe? Is it safe enough for me to just walk around the neighborhood? Is the air clean? This is a question that a lot of people don't even ask themselves. Is the air clean where I live? But this is a core of the blue zone is really that the air is very clean where they live. And I would say, you know, there's there's a part of it where is this place giving me peace or is this place giving me more stress? What is, or how many sounds are there? If you live in a city, be careful to choose places that will give you that rest that you need. These people live in very peaceful places. I had the opportunity to go to Sardinia. I think I told you the story that I was in that in that village there. And it's a very simple life. I mean, definitely you see exactly what you say there. I mean, these people don't work out. They don't even know what working out is, but they all have their cows and their sheep that they have to take care of. They wake up early in the morning to take care of all the animals. And then there's the other group that goes and takes, does all everything on the field. And then they come together and they eat together in the center of the town. Um, they all know each other and they, you know, there's like the women cook and they bring everybody some food. So it's really like, it's so funny that we have to worry so much about diet, but there, they're really like, everybody's cooking something and they just put it together and then probably not even thinking about it. And it's all very healthy. Like if you look at those meals, they're incredibly healthy meals and it's what they eat every day. They don't, you know, it's, it's so simple for them. And I think it's creating the mindset around it has to do with this. Like, you know, you, you switch your mindset to the point where, where you ask yourself, how close is this decision to my longevity? Or is it very far from it? And then you make the decision your own way. But understanding these things from the blue zone that seems so simple, 
are enough just for you to say, oh, wow, I don't move at all in my job or I have terrible relationships in my family and everything. Like I don't have a community. Okay, well, maybe you need to go out and find yourself your community, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, your tribe. Your tribe. And are, do you have a purpose at all? Have you ever even thought about a purpose? Because maybe, you know, we don't even talk about purpose in our societies. It's like you go, you work, you make money, you buy a house, you have kids, and that's what you're supposed to do. And then we're like, but what's my purpose? As if it was a very complicated thing. And I would say like the simpler, the closer you are to that longevity lifestyle. And I think to touch on purpose, I think when you look at these blue zone area, they don't think about, I'm going to wake up and have a purpose of, you know, being an entrepreneur or building the biggest company in the world or having the most number of cows. I think the purpose is to be part and contribute to my community and my family. The purpose is to, they already know what they need to do every single morning because it's a small community as well, but without them as part of that community, it's a broken link. Right. And so, for example, the mom wakes up because she knows she has to care for her child and her family and her brothers and sister or whoever it is. She's a piece of that community. So when she wakes up, she, you know, she'll make the breakfast. She'll go do what she needs to. But it's if she's not there and she then it's a broken link. So they they feel like they're a part of a system, a part of a chain within this community. And so it's not them looking for a purpose that's greater than life itself. It's their purpose is to be part of the community and contribute. And I think that's where um, it becomes, at least in the U.S., when we look for a purpose, we want to be greater than life as a purpose that so we have to, and really, you know, we don't want to go back to the ego, but it comes back to the ego, <laughs> right? That we want to be greater in life. And then we hear these stories, we read, we go on Instagram, these people flying jets and jumping off cliffs and doing all these crazy things. And they think that, you know, you have to be at that level for a purpose. It's just, how are you a part of your community and who depends on you within that community? Or like, what are you waking up and being a part of every single morning, right? And being the best, being a part of the community and everything that surrounds you so that it functions, right? And so, so we don't have to think so optimally in the sense where we have to be greater than life because, you know, you are greater than life when you wake up and you're part of that community and you're part of the system of, of people and everything that functions around you. And I see the challenge there because I do think that we don't live in communities like we did before. And I I feel that that's one of the greatest losses in our evolution into the Western world where we've become so great in many things. But I feel that that is the part, I mean, I work as a coach, so you can imagine how many people come to me crying, feeling that they don't have a purpose, that they don't know where to go. And many times when I listen to all these stories, I think, you know, you don't have that community that creates that rhythm. There's a rhythm in a community somehow that when that's not there, we feel empty. And it's creating those bonds and and compromises and commitments to others and creating together, you know, like what you and I did together here is is so much better than doing it alone. I mean, there's, there's, there's a different energy here. And there's even a support system with it at the same time. You know what I mean? I would, Definitely say, I mean, of course, I'm not saying with this, everybody go to church right now. (laughs) If you want to go to church, but there's that idea, right? Of there's, there's that thing that if you don't go to church, where is your community then? How do you create a community? I find that a challenge. And, and 
I understand why it can be difficult for people to find. Yeah, I think if you look at these blue zone areas, it's a community. Everything stems from the fact that it is a community itself, whether it's a village or it's a little island or if it's, you know, up in the mountains of 500 or 2000 people, it's its own community and they're a part of it. And, I, and like you said, we're missing that foundation and everything stems from that foundation itself. And without that, you, we are lost because then who are we? We're just single individuals living in a world that's just moving around us, right? And that's where we create this bigger than, bigger than me kind of purpose. Because if it's just me creating a purpose, then it's a, a little bit of a distortion where it's a godly purpose rather than really this thing. And yeah, I mean, I think you and I have worked so much in our purpose as well that we've been probably in those faces where you look at your purpose like in a grandiose way. And then once you really tap into your purpose, you know, it's very simple. It's not big. It doesn't need to be big. It can be just that thing. And it always goes back to the community. That's when the purpose, whom, you know, it, 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 it has life the moment it has a community, right? Because if you think about it, it's everything comes back to your connection with another human, whether it be on a small level or on a massive level, right? And so from an entrepreneurial perspective, you know, you see people building companies to build things, right? To build shit. Really, it's just to build shit, right? <laughs> and and at the end of the day, who is it for? It's somebody has to use it. And there's a fundamental loss of thought process that's lost in who ends up using it because it has to make that person feel great about what they need, what they're, you know, the outcome of, of, of using the product or the service or, or whatnot. And so no matter, even if you wake up in the morning and say, my purpose is to build this company and be the best CEO in the world. And I'm going to go in there and build all these computer software. Okay, great. But you still lost that sense of community because you haven't thought about who's using it and how you, you're going to help them. And so I'll, I'll touch on my purpose. Let me just give the, the, the add something to that. Be careful with mixing ambition with purpose. It's not the same thing. Right. Yes, yes. And what I realized, and this came from a, a long process of meditating, right? And and as an entrepreneur, building shit, right? It was always about building shit. And then I realized, no, there's other people. It's all about the people. It's always about the people. It's the people who's using it. It's about their lives. It's about them touching and feeling and going, oh my God, this is amazing, right? And so, and then when I had my daughter and that, that everything changed as part of the process of me finding my purpose was every individual that I come across that's within my reach, I try to inspire and help. Why? Because one day if I'm not around, that person is a community around my daughter as well, right? And so my essence of what I've done if I've been able to inspire a person and move them in a positive manner, they've learned something that, and that's a piece of me that will always be an environment and a community around my daughter as well. And so that's, that became such a huge responsibility or purpose for me to wake up every morning, making sure that whatever I think about on how I do it, it's going to make some the person, the people that touches it better because somehow it's going to connect back to my daughter. You know, and so so that sense of community, I think, propels you and wanting you to keep on going and going and going, waking up every day and saying, OK, I can't wait for the next day. Right. 
That's interesting because I like to hear how you connected to your daughter. And I feel like we both have very similar purpose in that sense. And I don't have a daughter, so I don't connect it to that at all. And it still feels the same way in the sense that probably I look at more from a perspective of oneness. Like I feel a sense of gratitude for my life where I appreciate the person in front of me to the point where I say, I want you to take that away from me. Like that's for you. And it's difficult for me to describe. Like, as I say it, it sounds super cheesy. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but, but I mean it in a, and this is like a, what do I call it? Like your purpose is basically your lifestyle. Maybe we could call it a lifestyle as well. It's what you do every day. It's how you live every day. Right. And the thing with your, for me, when you live really from your purpose, it's like every day is light. It's very light. Like everything is accepted. Everything can happen. The great things, the bad things, the easy things, the difficult things, the better relationships, the worst relationships. It doesn't really matter. You just you know, this is your essence, what you move with every single day. Right. And for me, that, that for what what, for you is the sense of community and, and bringing back to your daughter, which I think is so beautiful. In my case, it's really like, I feel that when I give this to somebody, I give that somebody the idea of oneness towards me and therefore he will take it or she will take it to someone else. So we built this community at at the same time, right. For that idea. But it's true that It's so interesting because I feel that what you say about, you know, becoming an entrepreneur and this CEO that wants to just create computers and it's like this, you would say like, stop, (laughs) wait, why are you doing this? Hold on, you know? What I feel like the comparison would be the life of any of those people in this blue zone area, it's slower, it's softer, it's lighter. And then you know, they do the exact same things that we put on a list to do every single day that we take as burdens and things we carry. We've got to do this and I have to eat that and I have to and I have to. But they just, that's how they live. So it's not heavy. And I think this is interesting coming back to the biohacking where we put all these parameters and all these measurements, not to take them away. I do understand that those are great things so that we can measure how they work. But I would say, can we invite a little bit of that lightness to the way we take care of our health so that it's not heavy on us, but actually enjoyable, easy? That approach where I heard a guy say that one day about the blue zones, and he said, it's the the sneakers are always at the door kind of lifestyle where whenever I can walk, I will walk and I want to walk and I'm not forced to. You see what I mean? Yeah. It's funny because when you, over here, when you go groceries shopping or to the mall everybody's fighting fighting for the closest parking space to to the store you know people people will sit there and wait for that the car to leave that first spot as opposed to just there'll be 50 other parking space all the way at the end of the parking lot no one will go down there they will just rather go really slowly to you know and and why you know it's it's good for you to take the extra steps and now we now we need monitors and trackers to tell us that we walked 2,000 or 3,000 steps per day or 10,000. And that's what our lives become is that we don't walk anymore. You know, we don't move anymore. And that's just part of if we really think of it from a very, very raw, basic thought is that we're animals. And the animals closest to us are the ones that have diseases as well. Dogs and cats, they have diabetes, they have cancer. 
right? Because they're living a sedentary lifestyle as well. And they're eating the same processed food and fortified food that we're eating as well. And so, and so really think about it, like anything that's really extended to where we are today, that really pulls away from us are almost animalistic instincts, right? From from walking, eating, you know, plant-based food, that kind of thing. We're, we're getting farther away. Thinking of what you were just saying is nature. You know, we forget to spend, we have to force ourselves to spend time in nature. How crazy is that? I mean, it's the same as what you were saying. Like we need a watch to tell us you have to walk because you're not walking. But then there's also that, or breathe. <laughs> Or drink water. Hello, what's going on with us? <laughs> now that we break it down, it's kind of crazy to think about. Wow, right? it's it's unbelievable. Like, and then we create all these pills that we take because we don't. Hey, let's not knock the pill. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know this whole mindset is just incredible. How we've been just told by this industrial way of living without even taking a moment to say, is this actually the best option for us? Because now we're sort of trapped in this life way of life that we can't get out of unless we become, I don't know, mountaineers or something. Uh, but, you know, we want to stay with our families. We want to live in our cities. That, and that's understandable. Nobody's saying you have to stop doing that. But it's really just creating that awareness of when you choose that, you leave out all these other elements that are so important for you. And how can you bring that into your life? so that it's easy for you to do. Because that's why, you know, we work out, we go to gyms to work out. And then, you know, we spend that time. And you think if you if your whole day is working outside, you don't even have to think about working out, it's just happening to you. And I always say, like, walk, walk enough so that you don't have to pay attention to your watch. There, there was a study in, um, it was on 60 Minutes, in uh, an area called Laguna Niguel in California, where they had a community. Laguna Niguel is a a community of 55 plus at one point, right? And it still is. And it had most of the individuals there lived to past the age of 90. And there was about 14,000 individuals that this doctor had medical records to. And she started going through these records to say, okay, why did these people live for so long? And it touched on all these blue zone points. And the biggest thing when you talk about move is that she said on average, these individuals moved 45 minutes a day and that you didn't need to have to do high cardio, like running for 45 minutes or 30. You didn't have to be in a gym for 30. It wasn't even high intensity. It was, they moved for 45 minutes a day, meaning that they went for a walk for 20 minutes in the morning, another 20 minutes in the afternoon. For example, it was broken up. You didn't have to be in a gym for 45 minutes to to live long. And so there was a lot of very similar points to these blue zone research that that Dan uh, Butner put in his books at these people, they were in a community of Laguna Niguel. Um, I'm sorry, Laguna Woods. Let me correct myself. Laguna Woods, not Nagel, Laguna Woods. And this is, was a sense of community. They always had dances, right? They had events for the community. And so, you know, if we could find, you know what, Yesida, why don't you and I start a community? <laughs> we should. Well, the art of becoming Wonder Women. This is the best community we can have. <laughs> But it's true what you say. And I it made me think of a study that I saw a long time ago. I mean, it was actually the first scientific document that I had to translate from German into Spanish. 
that was very challenging. <laughs> but it was about women in Germany. And the study said that they were looking at cardiovascular disease happening in women older than 50. So it really applies to what you're, you're saying. And they found that the women that had dogs, that walked their dog twice a day, had lower risk of heart disease than those who didn't have a dog. And it was just such a simple study, but it's the fact that having a dog forced them to go out and walk twice a day, every single day. And you go out with your dog, if it rains, if it's snowing, you have to go out because your own will will not, you will tell you, oh, it's raining, I'm not going out. But the dog is going to say, hey, I want to go out. <laughs> so it's the same concept of creating habits. Like I just say this because a simple thing like having a dog can be changing your, your whole health and, and everything in your life just because you have a dog. We don't, those are the questions that we need to start asking ourselves when we make those decisions. You know, and the type of friends that we have and, and you know, I'm not saying here if your friend is sedentary, don't be her friend. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, be aware of the fact that maybe if your whole community is not very active or very healthy, what is that doing to you and how easy or difficult is it for you to switch into a healthier lifestyle? Because maybe you're trying very hard, but it is your community that is actually pulling you in the other direction. And that's why it's becoming hard. You're, you're the, what's the research? You're the average of the five people that you're closest with and you're the average of your community as well. And so, and it only makes sense because if you're surrounding and the people that you spend time with, let's say they eat very unhealthy and they were sedentary, right? You find yourself eating the same because when you're spending time with that community, you're that's what's around you. And so your only recourse is to eat in the same manner or be in the same manner. So you'll start seeing that, you know, when, when you're part of a community, that's your tribe. That's the tribe that you've chose. But if you want to step out, you, have, you do have to find a tribe that that supports the patterns that you that you want to be a part of. That's a, a way of thinking. That's when they talk about the tribe and belonging. Because once you fit into that tribe, you start to, you know, be a part of it. And so, really great stuff. Yeah, I, I would say like this for me makes it very challenging. At the same time, it's not easy to you know you have friends or family that you love and you care for and then suddenly you're starting to see that distance with them it's it's hard to come to that realization and say okay how do i do this right or what do what do i want to do with this and approach it and i would say you know the best thing really is to influence your tribe if you can because you know what you're trying to bring to your tribe is great is going to give them a better life. So there's there's nothing wrong in you trying to to bring this into your community. I've done that. Like I know friends of mine who I've, you know, they probably would have never thought about longevity, but just because they were my friends and I started doing things, I would share this with them and be like, "Hey, can you help me because I want to go for a walk every night and I don't want to go alone. Would you come with me?" And then my friend was she was my neighbor. She's like, "Yeah, I'll do that." So we started walking together every night and it became our habit and we did it for as long as she was living here and she was my neighbor. And then she moved to another country and she still does it every day. You know, it's this thing that I didn't even think of. I just asked her, hey, can you help me? Because I want to be consistent with this. And then it, she created the habit as well. So 
little things that sometimes we think, oh, she's not going to want to do it. Or maybe, you know, I'm pushing her into something. I think everybody wants to be, feel better and be better. It's just knowing how to do it that we get a little lost with. So, so why don't we close it off? And I want to repeat the nine points for our audience to take away with. And if you have a chance to read on the blue zone area, go ahead. You know, uh, Dan Butner has a couple of books out right now. Blue zone on, on being happy, blue zone on longevity, you know, blue zone on thriving. So there's a couple of books out there. If you're, you're fascinated by and want to live an optimal life past a hundred. Okay. So the nine points are move naturally. The second is purpose, having a purpose. Three is downshifting, knowing when to slow down when you're highly stressed. We need to do a show on that one. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a big one. And then the 80% rule, which is not eating until you're full, just eating up to about 80% of being full. And then a plant-based diet. So what they found in a lot of these blue zone areas of people actually, the highest amount of food that they ate was beans, legumes. You know, that was the, the highest rate. And then it went into like the other like grains and and whatnot, but meat was the, the smallest amount. And then drinking at five, that's, <laughs> you know, that, that's not inhibitive. <laughs> Your happy hour. Hey, it's not all going to be hard. There has to be yes, some nice yes. things. With I don't it. think any of these are, are hard. It's just part of living naturally. It really is just living naturally. And then the other is belonging, feeling um, like your sense of part of something, part of the community, and then having your family first, focus on their family, and then being part of a tribe of people, having a good social gathering around you. And so touch on those, you know, think about those those nine points and how it relates to your life and where you are with those nine points. I love it. Yenvi, thank you so much. Those nine points, everybody, give it a try. Question, ask yourself, hey, how much of this am I doing in my daily life? What could I improve? And let us know. Remember to go to our Facebook group, The Art of Becoming Wonder Woman. Ask us to join and we'll bring you into our group and keep sharing. And please subscribe to our podcast. Give us a comment. Give us a like. Whatever you have to do, keep us going. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Art of Becoming Wonder Women, the podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community. If you haven't yet, join our private Facebook page and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another Wonder Women conversation. Our podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any question you may have regarding a medical condition.